the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast. Uh, really excited for today's episode because we are joined by Ethan Yazel. Uh, he is joining us via Skype all the way from Indiana, and so super excited to have him on. How's it going, Ethan? It's going great. It's finally above freezing here in Indiana, so it's wonderful. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's been it's been smoking hot yeah, here it's lately. Been too hot. I mean, we've it's been a oh. cold day if it's been under seventy. So. Oh, gee. Yeah, I know. I know it. But hey, it is what it is. It just makes the uh, shed hunting a little bit, a little bit tougher. But (laughs) there you go. Um, Yeah. Well, Ethan, uh, you obviously have over the last several years been a huge part of the uh, muzzleloading community and really excited to have you on today. And we really want to dive into some of the work you did with the uh, NMLRA and kind of get into what, what they're about and all that, but I did want to get some of your background first because you and I have chatted a, a little bit off the air. Uh, but I wanted to get some of you know, your background in muzzleloading, how you started as a kid, and things like mm-hmm. that, and, and what that means to you personally. Yeah, yeah, I'd just like to say, you know, thanks for having me on. And I'm always game, uh, even if I'm on the road like I am now, to talk about muzzleloaders. So I really appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we, we appreciate you um, as well. <laughs> so, my history in muzzleloading goes back to my great-grandfather, actually. Hmm. During the uh, Depression in the 1930s, he heard on the radio about a muzzleloading shoot going on in southern Indiana. And so he loaded up my grandfather, my grandfather's brother, and a couple friends and drove down to what is now Friendship, Indiana, and is now the home of the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association, and attended their first shoot in 1937. Wow. Oh my goodness. And they went down and, and just watched as spectators. There was a firing line set up in a farm field or a former farm field, mm-hmm. um, where, and there's some wonderful photos of uh, online of people and guys and ladies and shoot in, um, like suit jackets, sport coats, wow. nice suspenders, like riding boots, all shooting mm-hmm. muzzleloaders. And, um, my grand great grandfather fell in love with it. Went back the next year in 1938 with a gun and the, my great-grandfather and his two sons, one of them being my grandfather, shot in um, the NMLRA competition. My grandfather was actually one of the kids that went around and pushed for and to help organize the first NMLRA youth shoot. So kids hmm. under like 15 or 18 um him and a group of friends that were there pushed for getting that kind of classification started. Hmm. And he actually won that first youth match that the NMLRA oh. ever hosted in 1938. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, it's, I love telling that story. It just, uh, muzzleloading is so cool, and I'm very fortunate to be connected to it yeah. um, as much as I deep. am. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, fast forward to the 50s, my father's grandfather or my father's father got started and interested in muzzleloading and he and his brother shot competitively around the same time that my maternal grandfather was shooting um, and then when both of my parents were born uh, they grew up shooting at the national matches in Friendship Indiana and that's where they eventually met and started dating huh, wow. uh, at the NMLRA matches <laughs> my, my mother's side of the family 
specialized in kind of heavy bench gun, um, long range shooting, buffalo matches, whereas my father's side of the family specialized in some of the match pistol competitions. Um, so I was kind of born into the best of, of two heavy competition when it comes to muzzleloading, <laughs> which uh, I've got some photos of me at around age five is when I started shooting the bench gun, um, set behind this massive, like 13 pound, 54 caliber uh, under hammer bench gun sitting on a case of uh, Pepsi so I could reach around <laughs> the gun and, and get up to the bench and shoot. <laughs> so for me, I mean, a lot of people get into muzzleloading at, at different ages and I'm one of the real lucky ones that I've, I've, it's been, I mean, born and bred into muzzleloading. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Generations back. That's cool. Um, yeah. And so obviously a lot of that bleeds into, you know, I'm a firm believer that what you do for work should be, you know, what you love to do outside of work. You know, I think that there, those two things should be as much intertwined as possible. Um, I think that, you know, if you're going to spend 40 hours a week doing something, you may as well love what you're doing. And, uh, you obviously born and bred and muzzle loading. And, uh, as of la a couple of years ago, started working at the NMLRA, uh, as their marketing director, correct? Yeah. 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 I came on in late or mid to late 2019. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And, and some of the content, you know, obviously the muzzle blast podcasts, um, Instagram, all that stuff, uh, just pumping out fantastic content. Um, and I kind of wanted to dive into some of your experience at the NMLRA. What was that like? Something that has been so important to you throughout your life and throughout the generations of your family. What was it like to work in an environment where that was your day-to-day -day life? It was, it was amazing. I'll admit I was real involved and shot a lot of competition up to and, and uh, pretty much to high school and where a lot of people, you know, we all get different interests. And then going into college, I kind of got away from muzzleloading there. And uh, when a, a few people had asked me to come, you know, start to be a part of the NMRA again in this capacity, it was really exciting because I was allowed to, and I, I was able to reconnect with everything that I've, I'd grown up with. I'd gotten away from it. And it was a fantastic opportunity to reconnect with all of that. Both of my grandfathers that got our respective families, sides of the family into it, uh, were towards the end of their life. And, uh, you know, they were able to see me getting involved again and starting to make a difference. So it, it's not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's, it's a real personal connection to muzzleloading yeah. for me. It was, that was a real driver for me to do what we did there and yeah. really just get in neck deep and just hit it hard. I mean, it was fantastic. I, I worked remote, but um, even during the COVID shutdowns when we lost a lot of our events, I was down there just about every weekend or every other weekend, mm -hmm. you know, filming and working with the team and working with our volunteers and the people who organized matches and, and hanging out with shooters and reenactors and everybody involved in muzzleloading. And it's just awesome. I mean, if you yeah. have the opportunity to work with something that you love, especially anything that's near and dear to your heart, you have to do it. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's fantastic for both the work that you want to do. It's also it's very satisfying, but I think also you know, kind of the mental side of it is just it's just incredible. Yeah, and I think working with people, people are a huge emphasis, at least for my personal work philosophy. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, 
the people that are a part of the muzzleloading community are really excellent people to work with oh, and yeah. just to be around. And so um, I'm sure that you got to work with, I mean, people volunteering their time for something that they're passionate about. And uh, you've kind of stepped into a role of that as well, where you're volunteering a lot of time. You're here on our podcast on your own time, you know, just because you're passionate about it and you love it. And, um, you know, c can you speak a little bit to the community that is behind the NMLRA, like some of the unsung heroes, you know? I think uh, muzzleloading has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there are a ton of other groups out there, you know, that have, been involved in a similar capacity as, as the NMLRA, but I don't know if there are as great of people as there are at the NMLRA. I'm obviously very biased. <laughs> I've grown up with a ton of people there mm -hmm. and I, you know, I've been able to work with a lot of those same volunteers that were volunteering when I was five and six running around. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just across the board though, when it comes to muzzleloading black powder, I don't know that you're going to find a better community out there. Mm -hmm. um, it was really fascinating for me to come in and start bringing in some some modern media practices to muzzleloading and even though a lot of people didn't necessarily understand what was going on they were so excited and so appreciative of it and to see it getting you know the attention that they they always knew it needed and it knew it needed to have and I it's it's real impactful to to, to work with those kind of people I mean we have um, Bob Schlegel is currently kind of our museum manager, and he works at the NMLA Rand House, which is a house that was on the property that is now owned by the NMLA. But he curates, you know, demonstrations and exhibits in the museum for every shoot or every large event that we have, organizing NMLA history and giving tours and things. Um, Bob Wetzler is a huge part of our modern inline matches. He has kept and started a bunch of modern inline matches going there, really changing it up, making them really exciting matches, trying to bring some of the excitement that you get from a woods walk or from a modern like three gun shoot mm. into muzzleloading and, and trying to change how we think about muzzleloading competitions and making them more dynamic. I mean, I can't name everybody. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. so many, <laughs> um, you know, so I'm sorry for anybody that I've left out, but you know, anybody that's active, in the NMLRA, I just can't thank them enough for being, you know, being the people they are and, and supporting the organization as much as they have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I just love, um, history is always great, right? But I love, I love family stories. I loved your story about your great grandfather when like back then he was almost charged to like, you know, promote muzzle loading, like, oh, this is really cool. We should get into it. And it's like, you're passing that torch along and, you know, your great grandfather might've had a YouTube channel if it existed back yeah. then, but <laughs> You know, they didn't. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. really cool that you get to spread it to millions of people. Like, you, kudos to you for, you know, passing that torch. And yeah, you really just share that love for muzzleloading and obviously the community, uh, the NMLRA and all the people. Like, I talk with people all the time. And yeah, you can't pick a better group of people or industry. So, no, you can't. I mean, one of my, I hardly knew him really before I really got involved again, you know, as a young adult now was uh, Jody Baxter. Mm -hmm. He's one of our field agents or our field representatives. And he's out there just beating the drum all the time mm -hmm. on social media, getting people involved and getting interest in talking to these companies. And, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of in the ranks with him now, <laughs> you know, as a field agent, as a volunteer, you know, just getting out there and just, 
you know, ringing the muzzle loading bell all the time about how cool it is, mm-hmm. you know? So if somebody's interested in muzzle loading and they're maybe not, you know, super close to our headquarters in Friendship, Indiana, the NMLRA.org website has a list of all the field representatives in the charter clubs around the country. You know, so if you're looking to get involved in a club or something, check out those lists and reach out to some of those people because that same spirit of helpfulness and kindness that I'm talking about at our headquarters is all over the country. That's awesome. And is that all 50 states then? Like, does pretty much every state have connections or? I believe so. I think, I think there might be a couple states out east. Mm-hmm. that are a little more restrictive when it sure. comes to firearms that we may not have a lot of representation. Um, I think New Jersey comes to mind, but I'm, I, I can't say for sure. On sure. That. Awesome. Yeah. And um, one thing that I did want to talk about too. So we, we've been talking about the NMLRA and um, for people that are you know in the muzzleloading community, they're pretty familiar with the NMLRA. But for those of our viewers that are not, you know, they're kind of on the fence or just looking, you know, interested in muzzleloading. What is the NMLRA and like, what is the mission? Um, what is it that you guys, you know, have done and, uh, you know, how could somebody get involved with what you guys are doing? Cause I know that there's, you know, you guys do kit classes and mm-hmm. all kinds of cool stuff that I would really want to recommend to anybody who's looking to get into it. So it's really easy. The NMLRA is a national organization. We're headquartered in Friendship, Indiana. But as a part of what we do, we're a 501c3 nonprofit focusing on history and education. Mm. So our primary mm. job is to get out there and educate people about muzzleloading and to preserve muzzleloading history. I mean, that includes the, the hardcore competitions, that includes the building, that includes the history behind everything, the traditional crafts and accoutrements associated with it. And it, it's really a lot to swallow. Um, but if you're interested in anything in particular, I encourage you to look at NMLRA.org and look at the program section of the website there. We have a full list of everything that we're, we do from the Long Hunter Society, which is a muzzleloader-specific big-game records program, mm-hmm. all the way to our education center, Headquartered in Friendship, where we host a series of classes every year involving all the traditional craft and education, even down to like how to shoot long range with your muzzleloader wow. out to five and 600 yards. Uh, you know, all of that is involved in what we do and all of it can be found at NMLRA.org. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot or some of the lectures or series will be during our national events and those will be, you know, kind of a members exclusive thing. Sure. Um, but joining is, is super easy. You can join for as little as $3 a month. And, you know, wow. get the Muzzle Blast magazine and get access to all that members only, you know, kind of exclusive stuff that we have going on. Sweet. That's awesome. And so. Wh- oh, yeah. As I said, lots of good Go information in that as well. You know, from what I've seen of the, the Muzzle Blast, you know, the magazine and all that stuff. So, and yeah, go ahead and finish your thought too. <laughs> uh, to touch on some of the classes that we put on. One of our most popular classes right now is a Kibler kit assembly class mm-hmm. where uh, Mike Brooks and Wayne Estes, who are, you know, kind of renowned contemporary gun builders right now, come into friendship and walk students through the assembly of their own Kibler kit. So mm. if you're like me and kind of new to the building aspect yeah. of muzzleloaders and you have a Kibler kit, it's an opportunity to build it 
get some tips and get some guidance from some professional builders that are at the top of their game as far as the artistic craft behind it. At the end of July here, um, I believe we just announced that there's going to be another one of those classes with Mike and Wayne, um, and that's on NMLA.org. And then the very next week there in Friendship, we're actually hosting a young adult gun building class with Ian Pratt, who was trained by the House Brothers hmm. on long rifle building. So if you're 30 and under, you can take this week-long class with Ian Pratt and go from a stock blank with your barrel to a finished flintlock wow. that's ready to stain at home, and then you can shoot it. The goal of that class is to have your own muzzleloader you know, under the guidance of Ian Pratt, which is a huge name right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, be able to take home and finish and shoot, you know, just slap some stain on that and, and head into the woods. So it's an exciting time for our classes. I think we have a few more that are in the works now, uh, kind of for late summer and into the fall, into the winter too. So um, the NMLRA.org blog will have everything about those classes updated, you know, so even if gun building's not your thing, be sure to follow what they're doing there. And, you know, there's bag making, horn making, all sorts of stuff related to muzzleloading going on. That's awesome. And, you know, those classes are huge because in customer service, when, when I was working customer service, obviously, Caleb, you are the customer service master. Um, we get <laughs> lots of people that call in and with questions about building a kit because uh, it's, it's quite an undertaking. And oftentimes oh, yeah. it, there's more to it than you might think. And so it's really awesome that you guys are able to offer those classes to people that, uh, you know, just to make sure everything's getting done properly, correctly, and, you know, being done in a really high quality way under the guidance of, um, you know, very experienced teachers. So really glad that you guys are able to offer that. Um, the thing that I really curious about is the shoots. Cause, uh, I love shooting. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite thing to do, to be honest with you. And, uh, the NMLR has, as you mentioned before, lots of shoots and there's some big ones coming up which is really exciting um you know it's some some signs that hopefully COVID is coming to a close uh so I was hoping you could talk about some of those shoots a little bit yeah so the Walter Klein range which is where the NMLRA is headquartered in friendship is 550 acres of NMLRA owned property included inside of that is a quarter mile covered firing line with target frames set at 25 yards to 500 yards. We also have a trap range, a skeet range, sporting clays range. The 500-yard range is set up with target frames and metal silhouette. We have a what we call the quail walk, which is like a woods walk, but mm-hmm. for muzzleloading sh- shotguns. We have two different woods walks set up for muzzleloaders, and we also have the primitive range, which includes, I think, out to 150 or 200 yards, and some real traditional in-the-woods shooting, as well as our archery range. Hmm, That's awesome. And twice a year, those ranges all come alive at once for just about 10 days for the national shoot. So we have the spring national shoot in June and the fall national championships in September, where black powder competitors and enthusiasts from all over the country descend upon the village that is Friendship, Indiana. It's a super tiny town. You can walk right <laughs> through it without hardly noticing. And it just fills up with everybody interested in black powder mm. and competing in black powder and pushing it to the limit. You know, being the best at black powder 
those are the shoots where the best of the best come out and, you know, show everybody what they're made of. Yeah. I love that. I, I come from a super small town too. So that just, it's good. A whole small town filled with just black powder enthusiasts that just, uh, I, that's kind of a bucket list thing now is going to going one of those. those. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it's fantastic. A, it's an experience. I tell you. Hmm. Awesome. And, um, so kind of on to another, like shifting gears a little bit, I would say the NMLRA and you individually have talked about, you know, everything from traditional muzzleloaders to inlines, the Paramount, you know, Nitro Fire, all that stuff. Um, and so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts as somebody who's really involved in the muzzleloading community as to, uh, the muzzleloading world as a whole, like, how do you feel things are right now? What do you like? Mm -hmm. What would you like to see change? Um, what are your thoughts on the community right now? Oh man, I've been, I ask a lot of people this question. So it's, it's, it's exciting to get it asked, asked back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, really over the last year, I think we're seeing interest in muzzleloading that really rivaled the bicentennial in 1976. I mean, you had the, the uh, there's a Thompson Center Hawkins guns then. You had the excitement over the 200th anniversary of the United States. Mm. And you had a huge surge of muzzleloading then. But I really think that pales in the comparison to what we're seeing now mm. across the board, from the traditional guys shooting mash locks, wheel locks, all the way up to the precision, you know, super race guns of the Paramounts and all the custom guys that are building custom guns, I think you're living in a, a, the most exciting time, possibly in muzzleloading history. I yeah. know I'm going to catch some flack for that, <laughs> but I think it's an incredible time for muzzleloaders right now. Um, you have interest from the industry, which I think in a lot of previous years and previous decades, you know, people have made their inlines, they've sold their inlines, and, you know, just kind of puttered through. I know... I've talked to people about how Lyman has seen muzzleloading for years as, you know, it's always kind of consistent. And now we're starting to see, I think that really changed. You're seeing people getting involved in traditional muzzleloading and you're seeing people get super involved in modern muzzleloading more so mm -hmm. than what we all think about, you know, buying an inline for an extra season. Now you're seeing people get passionate about it just as they would with their modern high power stuff. And I could not be more excited about it. Yeah, it, it is really exciting. There's, yeah. Just this week, I saw where uh, West, or I think it's Virginia, is has proposed changes to allow 40 caliber muzzleloaders, which would include the Paramount HDR. Oh, yeah. and, uh, you have like the Knight Peregrine that's going to come out later this summer. And Georgia just signed a bill allowing that, um, dropping their regulations below the 44 caliber limit, I think down to 30 for muzzleloaders. Um, and muzzleloader wow. hunting. So that includes Sweet. the new 40 calibers that are coming out. And it's just super neat. You have people like us, you know, kind of watching the industry and paying attention to it. And you have enthusiasts getting into it, getting excited about it, getting excited about it. And you also have the industry getting out there saying, Hey, we're bringing you new stuff, new exciting stuff that the custom game has been playing with for years, but mm -hmm. we want to make it accessible for any person, anybody that wants to get into muzzleloading can get into a muzzleloader that's going to shoot and ring steel at 600 yards without a whole lot of work. I mean, yeah. I think that's super cool. 
and they're backing it up not only with their R&D, their marketing, and the infrastructure to support it, but they're going to the states and saying, hey, this is what these can do. We want to give sportsmen access to this. And they're making that happen so we can go all we can go out and play with the new toys. I mean, I think top to bottom there's support in muzzleloading right now, which you don't see a whole lot. I think if you look at muzzleloading history, you know, you kind of have two sides of the coin, whether you're looking at traditional, modern, hunting, hobbyist. Yeah. And now you're seeing it all, you know, <laughs> you know, rear its head. It's kinda yeah. like a bull in a china shop, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's that's one thing I really did want to emphasize is um, it's it's kind of like the, you know, when, when cars were first coming out, they were expensive, not a whole lot of people could have them. And then you see manufacturers that are now pushing these new and exciting products and making them accessible to a bunch of other people, just like, you know, Ford did. And so, and I think when you look at that, right after that, you see a huge explosion in cars and people owning cars. And I think we'll see a similar thing in muzzle loading. I think we're starting to see mm-hmm. it already, um, which is really exciting that we're getting support, like you said, from the manufacturers. And I believe that uh, one thing I always want to speak to, because we've talked about this before, is these new muzzle loaders, they're good for the community. Everyone who shoots a muzzle loader is a part of the same community, mm-hmm. I would say. And there are people that um, are strict traditionalists. There's people that are, you know, prefer inlines. But I think that regardless of where you fall in that spectrum, more people shooting muzzleloaders is going to be a good thing for everybody involved, you know, because you might get somebody who just really wants to extend their season. They get into a Paramount, they start shooting, and they're like, oh, it's really fun. I'm going to try going to a rendezvous and we'll all get a traditional muzzleloader. And so it just causes the entire community to grow because. There's people that are familiar with muzzleloaders and there's people who have no idea what's going on, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just to get their yeah. feet wet is, is awesome and to get them into something that they're comfortable with that they, you know, are able to familiarize themselves with. I think that's super exciting that that's, that we get to be a part of that community at this mm-hmm. point in time. I just can't, couldn't be more excited about it, you know? Oh yeah. And I think that's, I think a lot of us that have been supportive of muzzleloading as a whole for years have always looked at it that way. And it, it's hard to visualize for people, you know, that might not agree with that. I, and I understand that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has their opinions and, and we all respect that. But I think now with social media, you can see how individuals or groups of friends transition into and through muzzleloading. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people yeah. in forums and Facebook groups and things that I've talked to back and forth and I've watched start at one place and then start working their way all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. No matter where they start and no matter where they end up, they eventually go through and complete the whole spectrum. Yeah. I talked to a lot of the people at the classes that we put on assembling the Kidler kit. Several of those guys only got into muscle loading because they're looking to extend that season, mm-hmm. but they wanted more of a challenge. They'd taken deer with high power center fire stuff. They'd taken deer with their inlines, and then they wanted to start, going back in time to make that harder and harder. Yeah. And then you have people who are getting older, can't shoot iron sights accurately or ethically anymore, you know, with, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to hunting and in lines and scopes and the optics of that side of things give them an opportunity to keep shooting. I mean, yeah. there have been changes in the NMRA just because of, you know, an aging demographic allowing optics and sights in their own division so they're not affecting the records and the scores for traditional side of things, mm-hmm. but to keep people shooting. And I think 
that's what you have to do, especially in this last year where a lot of people couldn't have events and couldn't get out. We got to do everything we can to make sure that people are in shooting and, and getting involved in, in, you know, being a part of the muzzleloading world. Cause that's how we keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, just, I just really just so excited to be a part of all this. And so there's one, uh, kind of last thing that I wanted to get your take on Ethan. And that is yeah. if somebody's listening to this, just because they're, they've never, they don't know anything about muzzleloading. They're just kind of trying to get things figured out. Uh, and they're on the fence about, you know, maybe I want to extend the season, but I don't know that sort of thing. What would you say to somebody who's kind of on the fence about jumping into the muzzleloading world? I think apart from the, you definitely need to take that jump. I think, um, I would, I would advise them to be patient. Uh, I see a lot of comments in the forums and things, um, you know, saying I'm interested. I don't know what to do next. Where do I get started? And they're nervous about being shut down because they're new. And Mm. and a lot of us have been involved. Mm. And I think, I think I can only recommend to be patient with that. Ask yeah. questions and be patient. And this isn't easy. I mean, muzzleloading isn't hard, but it's a lot, it's a lot more involved. And once mm. you start to understand those steps and understand that process, it, you're going to fall right into it. We've been muzzleloading longer than we've been doing any other shooting sports. It's natural, I think, mm-hmm. especially as Americans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once you pick up a muzzleloader, you're going to feel something. You're going to feel tied to George Washington and <laughs> Hamilton. You know, you're going to get ready to go kick some red coats. But uh, be patient. Learn to enjoy the research side of things. I mean, YouTube is a fantastic resource yeah. right now. You have people like Black Powder TV, the Black Powder Maniac. You know, people getting into muzzleloading. I mean, obviously, you guys. I, I, I don't mean to jump, you know, skip over you guys <laughs> on that as well. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's a ton of information out there now that you can go and absorb before you even go out to an event, you know? So mm. dive into YouTube, go down that rabbit yeah. hole, jump into the forums and just start observing these conversations and, you know, start finding where you want to get involved in. Absolutely. And one thing that I would kind of tack onto that too is, uh, if you're nervous about jumping into something and you feel that you're, there's going to be a steep learning curve, the people are going to be judgmental. I would uh, p- encourage you to put that out of your mind because the, all the people that I have been involved with, people far vastly more experienced than I have or than I am, uh, very encouraging, very patient, very willing oh, to yeah. help. Yeah. Um, because they're excited that you want to be there. They're excited that you want to get into muzzleloading. And I've never spoken with a more down to earth community than the ones that are a part of muzzleloading. So, and I'm sure Caleb can vouch for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just such a fun community to be a part of. So definitely would encourage you that way. So, uh, Ethan, did you have any closing thoughts or anything that you wanted to communicate before we wrap things up today? Um, you know, (laughs) you got to check out the NMLRA, NMLRA NMLRA.org. There's a ton of articles there. There's a ton of resources there on getting started and uh you know we have a facebook group there that i hang out in a lot that has a ton of people there really dedicated i mean i think all of the field reps that i've ever talked to and a ton of the nmra members their number one concern is getting young people and getting more people involved in muslim and if you want to be a part of that check out the nmra i really encourage you 
even if you can't support what we're doing now, uh, you know, just keep it in the back of your mind, follow them, keep it on what they're doing. A ton of great free re- resources out there. And if you like what they're doing, you know, $3 a month, you can become a member and you get a ton of great benefits. Even if you're not able to travel to the NMRA, I think, you know, if anybody has any questions about muzzleloading, about the NMRA, anything, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to steer you. If I don't know the answer, I know somebody who does, and I'm more than happy to direct people to the professionals and, you know, the seasoned veterans that have been, you know, punching holes this big with a muzzleloader yeah. for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, and make sure follow Muzzle Blasts on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to them on YouTube. I, I personally learn a lot from their content. And oh, yeah. so definitely good stuff and information there. NMLRA, uh, check it out. Ethan, really appreciate you joining us today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your insight. And uh, we will look forward to the next time we get to have you on the podcast. Yeah, guys, anytime. Yep, take care. Have a great day. And remember, shoot straight, shoot often, and have a blessed week, everybody. 